Hey folks, it's Seb here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge that this podcast is created, recorded, and distributed on the land of the Kulin Nations, and I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thanks, y'all. Hope you enjoy the show. everyone, welcome to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to providing educational content on a range of different social issues. Each week I'll be joined by a special guest to discuss that week's issue, as well as provide handy tips for living on res. This week we're discussing mental illness and ways we can look after our mental well-being. Um, I'm Sebastian, one of the academic RAs at Giacomos, and today I'm joined by Elise. Please feel free to introduce yourself. So I'm Elise and I'm at Jacobus Hall. I'm also the Hall Society president and I'm actually an international student. I've come here from Singapore. I've been staying here for about maybe nearly two years once it hits June. Um, I like disco music and yes. <laughs> that's what I've been doing lately and that's me. <laughs> I love that. That's so I love that disco music yes that's so good yeah it's been it's been a good way to have some stress relief just dance to some disco music Mm, definitely um well I guess we'll just like jump right into it so obviously today we're talking about mental illness um so what has your experience with mental illness been like well it's um I've had to deal with you know, mental illness problems for a while. I think I first experienced it um, when I was like 13 or 14. So that would have been about seven years ago now, because I'm 20 now. And it's kind of always fluctuating. It was pretty bad um, at the time when I was 13 and 14. That's when it was at its worst, um, Mm. because I became pretty depressed because there were a lot of things going on in my life that I couldn't control. And um, it's been a rough time trying to get better and struggle with it over many years, but now I can happily say that I am much, much better. Um, Maybe not completely, you know, rid of all my old um, bad habits that stem from like depression or Um, other things that came along with it like social anxiety or um, disordered eating but I can say that it has improved a lot more over um, the course of all these years thankfully. Mm, That's good to hear Um, so a bit more about that and if you think that kind of stemmed from the depression and how those like those are related and stuff. Yeah, so those other mental health issues were definitely um, came about because I became depressed. Um, often depression kind of goes hand in hand with anxiety and then other problems can arise just because you're in a really vulnerable mental state. And so what actually happened with me, my so-called depression story, <laughs> was, <Yeah>. that, um, <laughs> was that um, when I was about like 13 or 14, I had experienced a lot of um, personal issues 
and I was really skipping school a lot and that affected my whole experience with um, my relationship with my friends, um, my relationship with my family, my self-esteem and everything. And that was like the worst timing really because mm. I was like 13 and that's when puberty hits and you're all confused and you got really bad hormones. And then when like the two of them are together, it's just kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, so, mm. um, so after skipping school for a lot, I kind of, you know, dropped out of school for a little bit and tried to go back but then it didn't really work out because I don't think I was getting the appropriate health, um, health care, mental health care. And um, so then I dropped out for good for like two years. And that really got to me not going to school for two years, not really doing anything, even though I was trying to kind of, you know, home, be homeschooled or self-learn at home. It just wasn't really working because I was just so depressed. I wasn't motivated to do anything. And um, being at home a lot really made me develop um, quite intense social anxiety because I was just wasn't talking to people and I felt really anxious. So when I would go out, which I hardly did, it was really difficult to kind of feel okay with talking to anybody, really. So Mm. Social anxiety stemmed from that, from being depressed and being at home all the time. And my anorexia really went hand in hand with depression because um, both of them came about because I felt like I had no control over my life. And so anorexia was kind of a way to compensate for that lack of control because I felt like I could um, at least control what I'm eating, at least control maybe the way I look or how much I weigh. And also because I had such low self-esteem, um, anorexia was kind of a way to make me feel better about myself because I felt like I wasn't good enough in other aspects of my life because now I was, well, one, depressed and mentally ill, which kind of made me feel like I was, um, not as good as everybody else because you know that stigmatized people always say that you know you always have to be happy you always have to be really good at your academics and everything and be good at sport and all of these things and have a ton of friends um and so i thought um that you know being skinny and weighing less would make me so-called superior to other people because that was the only thing I thought, you know, that would actually make me feel better. So then that led to unhealthy eating habits and just restricting my eating a lot. Yeah, that's so, how do I, what's the word? Sorry, I know that was a lot. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and that's um, such a hard thing and the complex and difficult thing to go through at such a young age. Um, but it's also, <clears throat> pardon me, it's also really interesting what you said about um, the eating, just like an, um, anorexia as like a form of trying to maintain that control over um, and feeling, you know, like powerless in other aspects, but like trying to take control in that way um, and try to, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but like just um, use try to like maintain um power and I guess privilege in terms of like being thin 
um, as a way to counteract the many different ways that you were, um, I guess, struggling and kind of were, didn't have as much control. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, because we're constantly surrounded by messages about how being Zen is good mm. um, and that, you know, you see images on screen, on social media, uh, that, you know, thin people and pretty people, you know, conventionally pretty people are uh, popular and somehow better. So, you know, when I was young, I was really, really vulnerable to those kinds of messages. Mm. And I still am because it's just everywhere, Definitely. especially at such a young age. Um, it really got to me. And then I thought, okay, then maybe I'll try to be like that and maybe I'll feel better about myself. But uh, the thing is, <laughs> with eating disorders, it's really funny because um, most people will try to lose weight and then they get skinny and they still feel skinny or, I mean, sorry, they still feel fat, even though mm. they're really underweight and that's how I felt. So it's just uh, terrible on society's part, really. Yeah, it's kind of this never-ending um i guess like boxing in of like you're like even if you like reach this uh, like quote-unquote ideal weight there'll still be like more to go and kind of this like um kind of like this circular kind of mm. never-ending struggle um yeah and yeah particularly what you said as well about um happening at such a young age like during your teenage years like puberty is like hard enough and like high school is hard enough like with like everything like hormones everything yeah as you said um and then it's such a like I feel like like sometimes I feel like high school like that kind of environment from like you know when you're a teenager um it's like a magnifying glass and like the sun's just like being amplified and you're just kind of you know <laughs> um because yeah it's all about like popularity and like trying to fit in and fit into the status quo um and if you don't fit into that even just a little there's um yeah that, that can have like quite a negative impact on your mental health and stuff yeah definitely um, so you dropped out of school for a few years um could I ask what um helped you like did you were you able to get um su the support that you needed in the end um to uh i guess yeah become a bit mentally um more stable and healthier or yeah what did that look like for you in terms of seeking support well um so in singapore seeking support is a little more tricky and it's not as openly talked about um mm. at the time i didn't really know much about you know this is the kind of support systems available um for people facing mental health issues before i had um actually dropped out when i was um while i was still at school and skipping classes a lot um i actually did go see the school counselor um she was very nice but I don't really know that it 
helped me very much in any way. Like sometimes she would let me um, go lie down in the nurse's office because I had a panic attack or something. And mm. she wrote me some notes to excuse me from classes sometimes. But um, I don't really know if that helped much because that was kind of like uh, the whole decline of when I started to really get very bad, uh, badly depressed. And when I was at home, um, out of school, it took me a while to actually seek help because before that I was just um, talking to my parents. Um, they didn't really understand very well. I think because uh, mental health isn't really openly talked about in Singapore or generally in Asian cultures. Mm. Um, and it took me a lot of courage eventually to tell my mother that I wanted to see a psychiatrist. Um, it took a long, long time because first of all, I just felt kind of ashamed about that. And, but it kind of reached a tipping point where I was just so overwhelmed and I felt so terrible that I just wanted help of any kind, anything, because all I was doing all day was being in my room and having panic attacks and not doing much and it felt really bad. Um, however, the thing is, I didn't really know what a psychiatrist was. I couldn't distinguish between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, um, which are pretty important distinguish, um, pretty important to distinguish mm. between because they're different things. A psychiatrist will actually prescribe you medication. Um, so I don't think that's what I really should have gotten, to be honest. I think I just needed like a proper, proper, excuse me, yeah. um, counselor to talk to, to start with. But because I was so young and I was so desperate and I didn't really know what the difference is, I asked my mother uh, to bring me to one and she agreed. And so I was seeing a psychiatrist for a while, but uh, I was prescribed with some antidepressants, uh, but I'm not really sure if that helped much. Mm. And along the way, I saw a couple of counselors after that. Um, it kind of made me feel better a little bit, but I think eventually what really got me out of that rut was just being so sick and tired of um, really not doing anything, feeling so terrible all the time. Because it really does, it feels, oh, I can't even describe how bad it feels. It's so mm. bad. Um, and so one day I kind of just told myself, this is enough. I can't keep doing this. Because by the time that happened, it had been two years that I had been out of school. Yeah. So I was tired of seeing um, my friends, uh, go on ahead to, you know, higher levels of education about me. And I felt so um, insignificant and everything. So I was just like, you know, what? I'm just gonna try. And it was really difficult because you can't just say, okay, I just want to get better. And then you're better. Mm. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I really had to try and try. And it was really, really difficult. But I just took it like step by step by step, you know, just that like showering every day. <laughs> Yeah. For a first step. That was that, that was really difficult because when you're depressed you don't even have motivation to shower every day. Mm. And eventually it took a while, but I got back into um schooling after that. Mm. Yeah. That's really 
that's really great to hear that um i mean like firstly really shitty like low low but like um i'm so glad that you were able to um kind of claw your way out of that and um that's yeah that's really great um and i definitely get uh well like a few things like i definitely get um with like because i'm half chinese so like in terms of like mental health being like in like i can't speak to like all asian communities but definitely um like with my chinese side of the family it's never something that is talked about even though i wouldn't be surprised if like multiple of my family members had like some sort of like mental illness or like you know in, in terms of like it's just not talked about and um you know that sort of thing um luckily i was like my mum uh, who's my chinese side uh, my mum is very um i guess open-minded and like she might not have like the right terminology all the time but she from her heart she like comes from a good place um and i remember i mean for me not to like delve too you know um but i definitely um kind of a bit later on for me but also kind of in like um kind of high school kind of like teenagers um when i was in uh, so like in 2016 um, I call it my great depression. Um, uh, kind <laughs> I love of, that. <laughs> thank you. I like how we all kind of have like, um, just like jokes of like, th like the year that we are like, you know, that's. I might um, steal that from you. <laughs> uh, for sure. Definitely. Um, it's really, so I was like in year 11 at that point. Um, and like the previous, it's hard for me to like kind of conceptually like map it out but like um from like year seven to like the first four years of high school i it was like underlying kind of like um i mean like underlying like issues of like feeling like i didn't really fit in feeling like um kind of like going from like friend group to friend group never really kind of that sort of thing and so um and also that time because i was um developing um my like sexuality and like coming to terms with that um which like was great mm. i'm trying to like how do i like talk about this without like making it like a therapy session but like um <laughs> it's i mean it's hard because like it's so complex and like um one of the things i've been realizing about myself recently is about is that i use like romantic relationships as like a band-aid for like my ongoing like problems and stuff like that and like um thinking that like a man will like help me feel better and like re remove all the like struggles from my life kind of thing so like in 2016 i got a crush on a guy and then he didn't like me and kind of um but he was like in part of my friend group so like suddenly a whole like area of my life just kind of blacked out because like i couldn't like go back to that friendship group kind of a thing and um and like they were all great people but like it was like it was like everything had been like um on everything had been like on like stilts that were like about to like collapse and that was like the tipping point kind of a thing um 
and yeah, I can like I kind of um, similarly like went to uh, my school counselor um, who was was helpful in that uh, she like redirected me to like Headspace, um, which is I guess a pretty good. Um, Sorry, you know when you're like about to burp, and anyway, no, but then it doesn't come. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, yes. anyway, um, Headspace is such a good uh, resource, and we can like talk about resources later. But um, so like I went to that, that, and then I kind of like got better, um, and then like, but then I also had like in like 2018 you know, Great Depression part two, but like also because of a guy um, and like more of like a breakup kind of situation. But um, it's definitely like, I remember in 2016, after I'd like gone to the school counselor, been seeing her for a while, then after I'd been to Headspace for like, I think a few months at that point, um, I still hadn't told my mom or like really anyone that I was like my friends knew, but like that I was like um, seeking help. Um, Cause I just like therapy wasn't even in the vocabulary in that household, you know, it wasn't. Um, yeah. It was just kind of like, if you're dealing with something, you just like silently just kind of go through it. And it's kind of, um, and it wasn't necessarily that like, I thought my mom would like, I don't know, kick me out of the house or anything, which, but I know that some people are in those situations because it's, you know, in those household environments, but like, um, I eventually did tell her. Um, and um, it, I think it was like a shock for her, but also like a bit of a, a relief because she'd been noticing that I'd like been acting differently and stuff like that. And, um, but I'm saying all this to say that I definitely uh, get, I, I feel like there's a lot of, yeah, it's very um, stigmatized in society in general, but especially in like um, Asian communities. Um, and I feel like it's, I don't know. I, I don't really know why that is, but it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, um, I feel like, from my observations, I feel like Asian mm. communities, or just in general, um, East Asian or Southeast Asian, because I'm Chinese, I'm from Singapore, that's what I can talk about. I don't know about other Asian cultures, but yeah. I think um, there just hasn't been a lot of education or open talk about mental illness. So a lot of um, Asian people just don't really consider it um, like, your parents might be very well-meaning, they wanna help you, but they don't understand what's going on because they haven't been educated properly about it. Like my parents couldn't really understand because they knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what. Maybe they just thought, oh, um, she's just being a teenager. She's just all over the place. That's how teenagers are. But, you know, there isn't um, enough resources to educate people about that in Asia, I think. And mm. it's kind of, um, often joked about even at home in Singapore like people won't take it seriously um like they won't see it as a real real issue they'll joke about 
being depressed or that person's just like psycho or crazy or um, you know they're so ocd you line i line up my pencils my fridge yeah. is like all categorized like you know people don't treat it with the correct weight that it needs to be um treated with they don't respect it properly i think either that or they just don't really understand mm, definitely um i think yeah, as you said that, it made me think, like, I feel like, I can only speak from my experience, um, obviously, as um, from, like, an immigrant kind of Asian, well, the Asian part of my family, like, especially immigrating to Australia and stuff, um, like, and because, like, my mom was, like, the first person to, like, come to Australia from, like, the family, and then the rest of the family came, kind of thing, um, but it, there's definitely this kind of notion, I feel, of always having to be good and be the best and kind of try to maintain um always hustling always trying to um because i like as like moving to like a society that you know australia quite racist quite you know it, for like people of color it's like you have so many more barriers to like jump through to just reach where like white people start off at you know, and so, like, definitely my mum's mentality and kind of in the household that I grew up in, it was very much, you always be the best, you always, you know, get straight A's, get, like, be <laughs> the model kind of student and everything. Um, and then that only continues in the workforce and, like, just always striving to be the best. And so there's, like, no room to, like, even, like, breathe or really just, like, yeah, there's no room to be anything other than I guess mentally stable you know um yeah and so you're um you're half Chinese so are you, is your mm. other half um like Australian Caucasian yeah uh, like a quarter French and like a quarter English Ooh, so like okay. yeah so you can uh, see like, like do you white. see <laughs> <laughs> do you see like a lot of um differences uh between how um you know either culture treats mental illness mm, that's interesting i think kind of um i mean it's difficult because also i think i mean i straight away thought about my like grandpa and like on my dad's side and like um he i think has obviously i am not uh medical like mental health professional but like i believe he would have like several like diagnosable like illnesses like mental illnesses for example and stuff like that um and like he's from what i've heard he's like talked about like having visions and like you know all this kind of stuff um and because like he grew up um in the navy and like you know um, <laughs> like you know that sort of um, around that time as well um, but like so like his generation and like my grand my grandparents' generation I feel like they similarly don't really talk about it um, it's more of a like kind of get on with it like especially in Australia it's like a get on with it kind of culture mm. um, but I do think when it comes like lower to like my dad's generation then there's a bit more openness about it um and they 
Um, so like, I think, yeah, so like I think apart from maybe like older generations, I think I do see like a difference um, in terms of like, I, yeah, I do feel like it's at least, because I feel like there is still stigma, but it, the there are conversations happening at least about it. Um, whereas, yeah, like on my Chinese side, it's a, a bit harder to kind of come by, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was, um, had all of my education besides um, university in Singapore. So was there actually any talk or education about mental health in Australian curriculum? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, at least in, yeah, in like high school and stuff, we talked a bit about it. Um, I, I can't really remember, but my gut says like, obviously not enough, but yeah. it was like, it was like the, we did like touch on it. Um, but I think only, um, hmm. I mean, see, see, this is like, like, I don't, uh, I mean, if you can't remember, obviously it's yeah, not enough. I don't it's know. not good um, enough. Yeah. But also like, I just don't pay attention sometimes. So I could have just like, they could have had a whole like class on it. <laughs> I just like, I was just like looking out the window, you know? Um, you know what? Fair. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, like we did definitely did talk about it, but I don't think, and I think it was like more focused on like depression, anxiety and like none of mm -hmm. the other ones kind of a thing. Okay. Um, I feel like maybe we covered like addiction, but like that, may maybe a bit on eating disorders. I'm not sure, but like th it was like those main two, and then maybe like a couple others, but not substantial enough. I think. Yeah. What did you? What about you? How was it in si Singapore in terms of the curriculum? Okay, so um, I can't really give a lot of um, expert information here because I dropped out for like two years uh, and then when I did go back it was like a more um, private not a public school so I can't really okay. speak for public schools um, uh, but I feel like in before I dropped out there's probably like whispers of it in the curriculum you know um, you know, in the extracurricular, like, assembly thing, but it's not anything substantial. I mean, we had the school counselor. My primary school also had a school counselor. Um, primary school didn't really talk about mental health. They did talk about drugs because Singapore is very anti-drugs and about oh, okay. how you shouldn't be an addict. And I distinctly remember there was, like, this workbook where they had pictures of drugs and asked you to identify them for some reason. And... Oh. That was That's an interesting thing it. to have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know what I don't know what twelve year old would know what um meth looks like, but Yeah. Yeah. Although I feel like I mean like that that's good so that they can identify it so they don't accidentally take it, but then now they know what they looks like, it looks like, right? So yeah. I don't know if that's kinda I don't know. Anyway, the yeah. point is not much. Not much education mm. about um mental health just maybe some mentions and then they have like a counselor there for you to go to mm, yeah it's really interesting because I feel like um and I feel like a lot of the education that we have on it is very outdated and kind of uh like it's changing but like 
what we had to start with was very like um just like don't be depressed don't like just don't have or like don't do drugs <laughs> kind of a thing like it's just kind of hard kind of rather than like how can we help these people um seek help or you know stuff mm-hmm. like that um yeah although yeah i do feel like it's changing but um yeah that's really interesting um so yeah we've talked a bit about um particularly as like in terms of like asian communities and stuff like that um i was just wondering if your has your experience with mental illness and support um been impacted by um the fact that you're an asian woman and do you feel like um yeah i like um, conversations of mental health and access to resources different for people who embody intersections of both womanhood and being Asian? That's a pretty big question, but <laughs> yeah. I'd like to like um, talk about them separately first and then yeah. talk about them yeah. together. Um, so like we were talking about being Asian and um, how Asian culture has kind of stigmatized mental health. So obviously, um, mental health in Asian societies is uh, mental health help is not as accessible in uh, Asian cultures. Um, but something I like to talk about in regards to um, like eating disorders in particular in Asian culture is that um, people will directly comment on your weight. <laughs> like, mm. um, have, have you? experience this from Asian Definitely. relatives. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so ridiculous because um, this comes from like friends or family, um, especially at like family gatherings or just like your parents actually just directly telling you you need to gain weight or you need to lose weight, you've you're fat or you're too skinny and things like that. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you did something like that here it would be considered very rude. Mm. Yeah, but um, it's not uncommon for friends or family to talk about how you look. Like friends might say, wow, you lost so much weight since the last time I saw you. That's so mm. good. Or you, um, you know, you should lose some weight. So when you have people directly telling you things like that, it really, um, you know, impacts your self-esteem or can kind of, um, f- feel like praise if you've actually lost weight mm. and uh, it's not it's not a great thing because we always have um, society and media indirectly telling us how we should look that being skinny is good but then the added thing of you know your friends and relatives telling you directly that being skinny is good or you know just always talking about your weight when you just don't want it addressed especially when you're feeling insecure um Mm. that's a pretty big issue i feel like in asian culture with that Mm. Um, people might not see it might not consider that it's an issue they might not mean you know they might not mean to hurt your feelings but it's kind of something that's just um ingrained in there for some reason definitely more prominent in its older generations but it still happens even in younger generations Mm. yeah definitely i feel like um yeah like every like 
family because like we have like like birthday dinners like every month to like celebrate the birthday it's like all like the family gatherings and stuff it's like a lot of like uh like oh you've yeah kind of gained weight you've lost weight it's like that's the first thing that they've yeah they kind of and like I, I completely get like it's not um as you said I don't think for them it's like intentional it's like they're it's just a compliment for them they're mm. just giving out a compliment that it's like saying hi how are you you've lost weight kind of a thing um and it's like <laughs> it's it's just like like you know um and so but then it still has a really negative impact because like your weight or your appearance in any form shouldn't be something that is commented on unless like unless you've like brought up you like you yourself have like brought up like do you think blah 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 and like about you know um I feel like it's such a yeah yeah it's really funny it's really funny because um the last time I went back to Singapore for a family gathering, um, I hadn't seen my relatives for maybe like a year over. And <laughs> the first thing one of my relatives said to me was like, oh my God, hi, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. How do you do it? And it was just so funny because the last time I saw them, I was like like five kilograms lighter and then I actually gained weight. And mm. <laughs> now they're just saying, wow, you lost weight. So it doesn't actually maybe it doesn't even matter that, you know, whether or not you lost or gained weight, they just want to like talk about how good, you know, you look because skinny is nice. I don't know. It's just really yeah. strange. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing as well. Cause like, it, especially in the context of like eating disorders and like it almost like encourages like disordered eating habits and like to have, it's like, yeah, it's such a, Weird yeah, thing. I've, um, so I've heard a few like medical professionals talk about this and I definitely uh, agree with it but when you maybe you know somebody with an eating disorder you shouldn't really try to talk about their appearance much like you might try to encourage them and say oh you look so good or you look so beautiful your body is great but that really only serves to encourage their behavior because you know, I know that when somebody told me that, you know, I looked really good if I felt insecure or and then I was like starving myself, it just made me feel like, wow, okay, so they approve. So it's good that I'm skinny, so I'll keep doing it. So mm. it's kind of a rabbit hole. So if you're trying to um, talk to somebody or, you know, encourage them, make them feel better, try to avoid talking about their weight or their appearance. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Which is something um Asian relatives don't do yeah so yeah um that's um so that's a problem that's unique to um, Asian culture and being Asian um and as far as being a woman I feel like women are much more encouraged or at least um cisgender women are much more encouraged to seek um mental health um help seek help for that um whereas i've kind of observed that cisgender men really aren't um encouraged to do the same even if they're struggling because you know there's that whole stereotype that to be masculine you need to be strong you need to hide your emotions and that seeking help is weak 
and mm. you know stereotypes really do kind of have a lot of influence over how people um, actually act so I think there needs to be a lot more um, encouragement for cisgender men to seek help or mm. and um, so I feel like as a woman I'm actually more better supported um, in seeking mental health and finding resources for sorry I said seeking mental health <laughs> for no, seeking yeah. help yeah and um, finding resources and even between friends I find that it's probably a lot easier to talk between female friends about how you're feeling like it's just normal you know mm. about your emotions your problems whereas between men it's kind of maybe less prominent which is also a problem mm. yeah I definitely feel like with men like I mean I have like fr like guy friends who are, are like ask them like oh how's so-and-so doing and they'll be like oh I don't know and I'll be like but didn't you like just spend the whole day with him yesterday I was like yeah but I don't know like they don't like talk <laughs> they just like play video games or like I don't know do like it's um and it's like they but I feel like with yeah like with women like my uh, like this is like a generalization but like with my friends who are women I have like lots of like deep conversations and stuff um and constantly kind of um like leaning on each other for support and like advice and stuff whereas like with men um you don't really I don't know men are encouraged not to be as like emotionally vulnerable and like um I guess available in that way um yeah so I I, I, I can definitely understand that yeah yeah, uh, it's a problem that I think really needs addressing because um, lots of males have mental health issues. And, mm. you know, a lot of people may not think that, but, you know, they're just, they're humans too, we're all just humans. We struggle and mm. we need help. We need outlets. We need to talk to our friends and that should be normalized. Yeah. Um, we need to like really just like, really encourage men to like open up and like yeah 100 percent yeah so um yeah um could i also ask as well additionally um has being an international student altered your experience with mental health in any way oh of course um i think <laughs> uh being an international student i think everybody who's an international student has um you know some ups and downs and for me the ups were just kind of having independence for the first time being away from home and getting to do whatever i want um mm. and that was very freeing additionally being away from home and in a completely different country really pushed me to try and get over my social anxiety because once i came here i was like okay restart button i'm gonna start all over again i'm gonna be a people person i'm gonna um talk to people and not have to rehearse my lines for like 10 minutes beforehand mm, um, yeah so that was really helpful to me to come to a new country to a new environment where i could meet um, people of the same age with similar interests you know 
in my own um, hall, which was really good. And that was difficult at the start, really difficult because I still didn't really know how to comfortably talk to people without, you know, getting really anxious, but I just pushed through it. I forced myself to go to all the orientation events and meet people. Mm. So that was really good for my mental health. And um, negatively though, of course you always have things like um, homesickness and culture shock, mm. uh, which would um, impact your mental health. I guess culture shock is interesting because sometimes uh, you wouldn't think that it would be such a big deal, but it kind of, when you, when you're in somewhere else where all the habits are different, where everybody speaks differently, where people do things differently, it can be really jarring after a while, and then you start to really miss home, and then when you really miss home, you get really sad, and you don't really know what to do, and then, you know, that impacts your mental health, but mm. thankfully, um, I've been able to deal with it. I love being here in Australia, but unfortunately not everybody um, feels the same way about me. I know a lot of international students struggle with being homesick and um, not really being able to fully assimilate into mm. Australian culture or, you know, other cultures around the world. So that can definitely take a toll on mental health. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any I guess, like tips and tricks for like maybe any international students or I guess anyone, well, yeah, especially for international students um, with dealing with um, like that culture shock and like transitioning into living in uh, away from home. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is, first of all, be excited because it's <laughs> really cool that you're overseas and in a completely different place um you can make australian friends for some people it might not be as easy as it was for me because of um you know language barriers or sometimes cultural barriers like oh my god for like when i first came to australia and everybody was saying how are you going i was so confused like i was confused for months mm. and you know i thought that uh you know it would be okay communicating with Australians because I speak English too but I didn't understand what people meant how are you going I thought it was like what do you mean where do you mean where I'm going oh. like, oh, like, like why don't people just yeah. say how are you I was like I don't know by 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 the PTV or something yeah. <laughs> I was so confused and I was mm. like how do I answer it like I, I got so anxious because when I went into a store and then a salesperson was like how are you going I was like I just froze and I didn't know what to say mm. so a good way to try and like assimilate into that culture and really understand what Australian mean Australians mean when they say they're going to Bunnings for a snag <laughs> is to try and make uh, friends of Australians uh, mm. on res is a good opportunity if you go to events and you um, just try to talk to as many people as you can, even though it's really awkward and you don't click with everybody, that doesn't matter. It does not matter because just what's important is that you really try and talk to people, as many people as you, as you can and try to make friends because 
you know, out of like 50 people, maybe you'll click with one person and that mm. one person will really help you um, make your experience here in another country a lot better. And, you know, try to really branch out of just making friends with other people here who are also from your home country. It's good to have those people but also try to make friends with other people from other countries and Australians as well, because they'll, you know, they'll tell you what a bunning snack is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, and then you'll be like in, in the know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I definitely like those. I mean, the, I can't remember how this came up, but like, I like, I think I like, Oh, I like asked a question on like an Instagram live of like, of these like American YouTubers. And I was like, how are you going? And they're like, how are you? I think they mean how you're doing. And I was like, they're the same thing. But then I didn't realize from my end that it's mm. like an Australian co colloquialism that like, yeah. They're not the um, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also just want to add that mm -hmm. it's okay to be anxious when you're talking to new people, especially when you're in a new country. Um, but just try because the worst thing that can happen is that nothing will happen and that's not really that bad you know the worst thing has happened is that you guys don't become friends and that's it that's really not that bad it's okay mm. you've still got and yourself. everybody you've still got yeah exactly yeah. and everybody else also you know doesn't always feel very confident when they talk to new people and they're trying to make friends and it's completely normal it's fine just try and you'll make some really great friends all my best friends right now are people I've met at Jackamos and mm. so I don't regret trying to really like push myself to meet people <laughs> yeah um I definitely feel that especially with friendships because like uh I mean yeah as I like mentioned before like I kind of in high school I didn't really have a solid kind of like friendship group or like stuff like that um and so like I think in my own mind I kind of like idolized um like the best friend kind of i mean like i i always like i love tv shows so like i see my life through like tv shows and i was like i need like the best friend character and then i need like the girl group characters and like you know like like um for a while i kind of felt like there were like parts missing and i had like i, I was still surrounded by great people in high school but i just didn't have that like solid like best friend kind of a thing or like a best kind of um yeah or like it didn't stay that way you know kind of a thing um but like since coming to uni I've like I've got a solid group of um like close friends and like last year like um when I started studying theatre I like met my like two like really close friends now so like I've kind of um I like I remember speaking to my like therapist in like um 2018 about like how like I wish I had like that best friend character like that role in my life I think I kind of once I accepted that um you know I still have so much good in my life then it just naturally I just made like just be just naturally became close with those two um, I call them my Gemini sister wives. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I like friendships, especially like just naturally occur, and like you can't really force them. But you, I mean, you can also do things. You can also like put yourself out there, and then you never know. You can meet some really great people. 
Yeah, you can't force yeah. friendships, but you can try to meet as many people as you can and find, you know, that one person. Mm. And it'll be amazing because having friends is really good for mental health. You can support them and they can support you and you can share your feelings and it'll mm. be great. Um, although now that we are in isolation, please do not go to events. And if there are events, yeah. please report them to the police. But um, <laughs> there's still a lot of things going on. Like in Jackamas, we are doing a lot of online things um, in our Facebook group. So just do anything you can and, you know, just message people. Why not? Mm. Yeah. Everybody's lonely right now. Everybody needs somebody to talk to. Mm. So don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess in your view, is there a stigma surrounding mental illness? Um, and like, similarly, are there like misconceptions in society that you wish people were better educated on or didn't have such a stigma about? Yes, definitely. There is a stigma. Um, I feel like less so right now. Um, or maybe less so in, you know, my community being in Melbourne, being mm. on a university campus where people are generally more open about these things. Um, I think people have various views on mental illness. Some of those may be thinking that it's weird or they just don't feel comfortable talking about it. They don't understand, um, you know, because they don't they're not educated enough about it and a lot of misunderstandings stem from um not knowing much about it uh you know i don't like it when people <laughs> say that they're depressed when they're just like sad for a day or something you know i think mm. people perhaps use terms like depression or um ocd just too loosely and i wish that you know they would just say sad instead mm. that's that's a misunderstanding because i think when so many people are doing it then that kind of discounts um the severity of when mm. you know somebody's actually depressed yeah definitely uh, and definitely with like other terms as well like as you mentioned um earlier about like um oh what was it like or like they were so psycho or crazy like all these terms that mm -hmm. are like um heavily stig stigmatized um like like for me like in the 2016 US presidential election, when Donald Trump, you know, everyone was like calling him crazy and like a psychopath and like all of these like words that really don't really criticize him for any of his like horrible like views and like police policies mm. and everything, but like just kind of like further stigmatize mental health and like harm mentally ill people and stuff like that and it's such a and like words do matter kind of a thing um yeah that's an interesting point because it's kind of um like by calling donald trump crazy it's kind of like brushing off all his other um antics you know like yeah. sexual harassment oh he's just crazy but that's not how it works you yeah. know people need to really um treat these terms and you know the people who actually experience mental illness with the weight and respect that it deserves i feel like people are too loose about mm, it definitely um and yeah that made me think about like how um i mean 
my mind's just like in the u.s at the moment like with like school shootings and stuff they'll or like whenever there's like a mass like a horrible like criminal activity or like event they'll always like blame it on like well i mean if they're white they'll blame it on mental illness if they're not they'll blame it on you know other racist ideologies but like you know it's like mental illness is so often a scapegoat to pardon usually white men but you know um particularly like white people with um for and oftentimes what's actually just racism or misogyny or like violence you know it's a way of but then in the same breath we don't we're not doing enough to support people with mental health it's this weird like um it's this weird thing like saying oh he wasn't he's not this like horrible um sexual predator he's just mentally ill and it's like well no well like like i I can't even articulate it's like this my brain's organ fellow but like you i that's such a um it's it's kind of like they're using it as a scapegoat for you know the person who did it it's it's um like even if they were mentally ill it doesn't excuse bad actions you know Mm. yeah and like i can't speak to like all the scenarios but like usually it's not a result of it's not their mental illness that's causing the violence you know like i like oh i'm so depressed i'm just gonna go kill someone like i like i don't do that you know like um i feel like the vast majority of us just kind of want appropriate help and like support we don't i don't know yeah so so i suppose when you kind of use you know mental Mm. mentally ill that term to label um criminals so much in that way then it further stigmatizes um mental health because people don't really want to identify with that Mm, definitely um 100 yeah um i was just wondering if you've um well i mean you mentioned earlier about um always like the kind of the positive vibes mindset um and how that's kind of like really uh, can be quite harmful um like I i don't know about you but like for me there's definitely this like positivity all the time 100 percent um i think it's people have called it like toxic positivity or kind of like a fake positive kind of it's kind of um just that kind of mindset as ongoing and like never having room for anything else um, i was just wondering if you've like experienced that or, or had people just like or just you know be positive kind of a thing yeah, um, obviously you want to be positive, but it's completely impossible to be positive all the time. And if you try to do that, it's not sustainable and it's bad because, you know, when you try to always be happy, you tend to brush aside um, feelings of like sadness or anger or jealousy or anything else. And then what happens is that you bottle all these emotions inside and you'll break. And I think people need to um, really accept and face all their emotions to be really happy. Happy doesn't mean being 
you know, great and uppity all the time. Mm. Um, so I think a healthy relationship with, you know, your mental health and emotions would just be to acknowledge all of them and to understand that being sad is okay. In fact, it's important because that's how you uh, internalize your thoughts and feelings and your experiences. As long as you don't, you know, completely wallow in sadness all the time, um, because that would, you know, that's not very good. But acknowledging that it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, um, and giving yourself time to feel that way. I think mm. that's what makes it, what, that's a better approach to being happy, I think. Because then again, you know, you can't be happy without being sad. Otherwise, if you're happy mm. all the time, that's not really happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so true. Like, the happy and like our happiness is like when we're happy it's amplified because we've been sad you know and it's kind of this balance um and as you said like if if it's like a constant like sadness in your life then that's probably the time when you're like okay maybe um that's when i should like seek help at that point but like um and like you know shit happens in life you know um will like it's it's impossible not to be emotionally impacted by things that occur in our life and so um especially like yeah just feeling feel free you have to feel your emotions you have to feel your feelings and um i mean one way or the other you're going you're gonna feel them but if you feel them if you open up sooner to that then it'll be less painful you know um, yeah it's yeah. important to have um it's important to feel sad because you know it helps you internalize and understand what you're going through and also i feel like if people try to cheer up other people like their friends too much by just being like don't worry don't be sad be happy but like if somebody is going through a tough time they need they need to feel sad for a little bit and that's okay as long as it's not like they don't fall into depression. They don't feel sad for a really long time, because that's really it's really important to understand all your feelings and mm, give them time. Definitely, and to like, yeah, like validate what they're going through, and um, even just like being there for a friend, and just like asking what they need in that moment, or if um, just letting them talk. Um, because I feel like trying to like, cause you like, you can't fix someone else's problems for them. They have to like fix it themselves, but you can, the best thing I, I feel the best thing you can do is just like being there to help them through that. And like being like a helping hands through that journey. Yes. A good movie about accepting sadness is Pixar's inside out. 10 out of oh 10. Oh my recommend. God. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. It's, such it's a so good. good. Oh, made me cry. Literally, I need to rewatch that because it's been a few years, and I, I need a good crying. <laughs> but like, yes. um, it's such a good movie, um, and killer soundtrack as well. Um, True. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, a few other ones that I've definitely heard are like, um, in terms of like mixed conceptions, like we're faking it or we're just lazy. Um, and that or like you know exercise is the one cure you know just like go for a jog go for a run kind of a thing um and i think in all of those 
cases. Um, it's like a very, it's, yeah, it's kind of a shallow understanding. It's, um, as we've said, like not a proper, not giving mental illness the seriousness that it deserves and not looking at it through a very shallow lens. Um, and draws on a lot of like, like kind of like with the family and the weight thing, like it's, I feel like when you, like when you tell someone like, um, or just exercise, go for a jog, like you're trying to, I, I, I can get that like that mindset is like trying to like help them. Um, like you have good intentions, but it's, you don't have to, don't feel like you have to solve that for them. Don't feel like you have to bandaid it for them because it just usually just comes off as um, trying to diffuse the tension you feel within yourself while not actually supporting them, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's difficult. It's difficult to try and help somebody who um, is mentally ill. Um, but I think people need to try and understand that you can't fix somebody who's mentally ill. You just should be there to support them and encourage them to seek help if they need to. Mm. Definitely. Um, so I guess, um, do you think that mentally healthy exists? And if so, what does that look like? Um, mentally healthy. Uh, yeah, I think it exists, but maybe not in that way that we were previously talking about, just about, you know, striking a balance between um, all your emotions, not always being happy. Um, maybe not like mentally, like the, you know, the picturesque version of mentally healthy all the time. It's okay mm. to be sad sometimes, like we talked about. So I think it exists, but I think we shouldn't, um, you know, stress ourselves so much to strive for that all the time. You know, instead of having like, okay, I'm going to be positive for like by next month. I'm going to be mentally healthy by next <clears throat> month. Instead of thinking that, just like, you know, take yeah. it day by day and just, uh, you do you. Just try to be happy or sad if you're sad if something bad happened. But, you know, you don't have to make it a goal where it's like, oh, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. Just, mm. yeah, just take it slow. And, yeah. And feel your feelings definitely and i feel like if you're always striving for happiness you're you're like missing out on life just happening i definitely feel like um yeah i completely agree with what you said like the mentally healthy um image isn't that we have at the moment isn't really accurate but like one that's maybe focuses more on like being um, in touch with how you feel and your emotions and just being responsive to that and responding to, yeah, kind of, yeah, just like listening to yourself and going with it, you know? Exactly. Mm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that capitalism plays a role in mental illness? Um, and yeah, if so, how? Okay, um, I am no means an expert in politics <clears throat> or economics, but <laughs> I will say that, yes, in my opinion, because um, 
all of us are very stressed out because we're always being pressured to be as productive as possible, to be high achieving or even overachieving. You know, we gotta get money, we gotta do all of this. Um, we gotta study and work um, despite however we're feeling, despite the state of our current mental health. And it kind of puts productivity and, you know, making money and getting a good job and everything like that. And all these capitalist, uh, capitalist ideals over um, mental health. And, you know, when people try to take a break to take care of themselves, um, you know, there's a lot of feelings of guilt and stress because it's like, oh my God, I am not very productive. I'm not doing things. So I think that whole focus on being productive and being, you know, useful or doing useful things is um, pretty toxic to our mental health. Mm, that's such a good point. I feel like, basing our worth on productivity is a very, um, it can like chip away at you, um, you know, and very much um, it's a very, because, you know, productivity fluctuates and also we're worthy as like human beings, we inherently have value no matter if we're productive or not. Um, and also like productivity is something that not everyone has access to, whether they have like, um, a chronic disability or like a condition where they physically can't be productive in the way that we look at productive product, productivity or they, you know, they have, they can't, you know, there, there are so many barriers to that. And I feel like it's such a, um, and yet it's, in society we praise it so highly um of always trying to be productive always trying to be efficient you know um yeah yeah um i do want to acknowledge though that not everybody is privileged enough to be able to you know take breaks from working to take care of their mental mm. health it's just kind of more of a systemic issue but for those of us who you know, can take breaks or to take a step away and say, wait, I'm kind of overworking myself. I'm trying to chase unrealistic ideals. I'm putting too much pressure on being the next Bill Gates. Um, mm. Then, you know, for those of us who can, we should really kind of reflect and um, look after our mental health. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah, another uh, thing you need to isolation, I think, uh, is that a lot of people are feeling pressure to be especially productive because they're like, wow, I have so much time. I'm going to uh, have to do 756 things by noon and I'm going to mm. be super productive because I have so much time and if I don't do things, I'll feel guilty. And then there's like that whole thing about whether you should use this time being um, at home to like do a lot of things and then monetize those things because mm. capitalism or if you should just take a break, you know? Um, I don't know if the answer to like what you should do, but I definitely do feel like that overemphasis on doing as many things as you can and really pressuring yourself to do as many things as you can isn't great. I think we should definitely take this time to try some new things to take advantage um, of, you know, um, not having to, you know, waste like an hour on transport and then maybe doing something nice for yourself and maybe pick mm. up a new hobby. But I don't think it's a good thing to 
you know, put too much pressure on yourself to come out of this as like Leonardo da Vinci. Mm, yeah. Like this isn't like a free period where we can like do what we want in terms of like creative projects or like work. It's like, like, no, we're like in isolation because like horrible shit is like happening all around us and like people are dying. So like be easy on yourself and or, like try to try to be easy on yourself and um it's okay if yeah all you need all you're doing right now is surviving that's like such a huge step as well true it's not like the government's locking your room and saying i want 76 paintings yeah. done by tomorrow <laughs> they're just telling you to stay at home so yeah. just stay at home yeah i mean i, I definitely myself feel that own pressure for myself like i have to like do this like creative project and this but it, it's 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 tough but I, yeah it's like balancing that and kind of yeah yeah me too i've um set a lot, out a lot of goals for myself but i think it's probably better and you'll find more pleasure in doing things if you actually just do them because you want to not because you tell yourself you have to mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Hey, uh, so what are some common signs of depression that people should look out for, whether that's in themselves or in their peers or people around them, um, and how can they help? Okay. I am by no means a medical professional, but I'm glad yeah. you asked because I um, <laughs> I brought out my mental health first aid manual. Oh yes, I got this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it was launched back on my bookshelf somewhere, but I dug it out um, for this. So I flipped mm. to <laughs> the depression page, and they have uh, signs and symptoms of major depressive order. Uh, so generally, these are the most two telling signs and. Um, they always emphasize that these have to have, uh, must have happened for at least two weeks. Um, mm. Because, you know, you're not depressed because you're just sad for a day. Mm. So it's a long period of time of, you know, um, being depressed uh, in a depressed mood, which is kind of vague, but I suppose it's like, you know, if you're really feeling, feeling very low and sad mm. for two weeks. And also marked by a loss of enjoyment and interest in activities that used to be enjoyable. You know, so if you see your friend who is perhaps just like doesn't want to do something at all that they used to be interested in, that they really used to love, because when you're depressed, you don't feel motivated or you feel like there's no point in doing that because you're not focused on, you know, doing fun things that you like. You're just sad. Um, mm. And also other symptoms can be a lack of energy and tiredness, uh, feeling worthless, or feeling guilty when it's not their fault, um, can be suicidal thoughts, uh, difficulty concentrating, moving more slowly, being agitated, having sleeping difficulties, or a loss of interest in food, or eating too much. Mm. So all of these signs, um, just because you see like a sign in somebody you know doesn't necessarily mean they're depressed but it's good to be aware of um the signs just so you can identify them and then kind of monitor your friend and if you think that they are depressed you should you should suggest um they seek help really mm, definitely yeah. um 
Yeah, completely agree um, with all of those. Yeah. Thank you for like pulling that out. Um, yeah. It's, it's really good. It's a really good, uh, concise book. It talks a lot about um, identifying mental health um, problems and I mean, like not diagnosing them, but identifying signs mm. and then gives more information about them and about how you can possibly help or refer people to get help. Um, I got this from like um, the mental health first aid training by Monash. Mm. So if you're curious about like how to help people or you just want to know more about um, mental health, then I recommend that course. I think they're not running now, but uh, when they come back, usually Monash gives the training to residents for free. So that's a really, really mm. good and important way to help people. Yeah. Um, I guess related to that, how can we as a community, um, maybe like Jack and Moss community, but also just community of like people, I don't know, um, come together and better support people who experience mental illness? Um, well, since we just talked about it, I suppose when it's available, please, if you're on res, go um, take the mental health first aid training because it's really helpful. And if you don't know much about mental health, they'll help you understand more. And then if everybody understands, there'll be a really nice community because, you know, people will probably be more open about talking, mm. about talking about it. Yeah. And it will create kind of a more safe space for people to come out and, you know, seek help or talk about how they feel or just tell their friend that they're like, I think I may be feeling depressed. And that's really important to be able to, you know, come out and say it or try and seek help. Um, mm. But apart from that, it's good to be more open, uh, be more open to people, listen to people, try and talk to them, understand how they're feeling. And if you don't know much about mental illness, then try to research more about it so you can understand. Mm, that's a really great thing, um, especially with mental illness, but I guess in general, like, um, like I've definitely had like, I mean, in terms of like, I've had like friends who, like come out to me as like being LGBT plus in some way that I didn't know. And I was like, oh, I don't like, how do I, how do I accommodate for that? Well, there's like lots of ton, like tons of resources online that I can, like even just like YouTube videos, I can like watch about that. And it's the same with like, I'm not in any way saying that LGBT, being LGBT plus is being mentally ill, by the way, but like, um, that's not, but in terms of like, like if you don't know about something, you can like research it, you can like um, have a, you know, um, take that on for yourself. And then you don't ever have to like take a quiz on, on it or anything, but just like having taken that extra step is a really nice thing to do for a friend. Um, yeah, even like, going if they're nervous for the first appointment like uh if it's if you're free like going with them or something um or um you know asking yeah just like if they need help in any uh, like just a little bit extra help or like a um support in any way um and kind of touching on what we like talked about earlier um being mindful of the language that we use um like words like crazy, insane, psycho are all words that, at least historically speaking, like stigmatize mental illness and still currently kind of aren't, 
like if you can find alternatives that's probably great like um if you're like surprised you can say oh that's like amazing that's so weird that's so odd um like say what you actually mean don't rely on words that yeah are just kind of further harm disabled and mentally ill people if possible yeah yeah and i think if you know that those words aren't good and you notice somebody else using them um like don't don't attack them but maybe mm. try and nicely tell them why you know we shouldn't be using those words why we shouldn't be doing that because sometimes people just don't know mm. sometimes maybe you don't know because for whatever reason but yeah. if they don't mean if they don't mean ill then don't be mean to them just tell them nicely yeah that's not it's like not their fault that they don't know but the, the yeah there are ways to like um 100 what are some things that you do um to distress and manage your mental health well <laughs> i really really like just putting on loud fun music uh disco music's good do yes. make this new <gasps> yes, album Dua future Pete. nostalgia yes <laughs> i love her <laughs> i love her so much i've been so obsessed with her <laughs> but mm. just like um just put that on i like to just put that on my speakers and blast it real loud and just dance i love it so much it's so cathartic i don't know about you but like actually physically kind of trying to express my emotions just makes me feel so good like mm. is it the same for theater um oh that's an interesting question um i will just say i love future nostalgia i it's so good i i i don't like i loved Dula Peep when like new rules came out and then I like, kind of went off it but then my friend was like you have to listen to Future Nostalgia it's like okay I'll listen to it and it's the there are no songs on it that aren't bops like it's so good yes I'm um, obsessed yeah but like literally um kind of I think um I mean any sort of like I mean for me like when I get if I'm just like sitting for a long time or just, I mean, sitting is like one of my favorite activities. Like sitting is <laughs> such a great, it's not a hobby, but it's like almost a hobby, but like, I'm like, it's always, a profession. Yes. It's a, it's a state of mind. Yes. No, um, it's, I definitely, um, like I'm sitting a lot. I'm always like lying down or like sitting. So like even just like physically getting up can like really just like mentally clear my mind. Um, so, I guess, I mean, theater is great. Um, I mean, I do it for so many reasons, but it's also, it's great um, to kind of like get out of your own head sometimes. I mean, cause like my, my brain is so annoying. Like it just like, it's be, it says like the most annoying stuff. So like, it's good to like, just like, not like physically, but like put on like another brain and like act as someone else. Um, but like, like I guess in some ways it's good to it's like a refresher kind of like I guess similarly potentially to dancing and like um refreshing yourself and kind of and then when you come back to your state of mind you have you know a fresh perspective um and it's, it might not be like the cure but like it's um it's a great thing I think I don't know yeah it's a good way to de-stress it's not a cure for you know being mentally ill but mm. if you need 
some weight off your shoulders if you need to feel a little better. That's what I really like to do. Um, otherwise, not intentionally. Like, I don't do this intentionally to de-stress, but whenever I cook, um, it feels mm. so good because I understand that a lot of people um, are stressed out by cooking, but for me, I really love it because it gives me time to just, you know, not look at screens, not watch a video, mm. not think about this and that, and it's just me and preparing food, and I let my mind wander, and that's really, really nice. Um, otherwise, going on walks is really good, um, mm. you know? Around Jackamas at the back, there's a nice little nature reserve that you can mm. walk around the perimeter. There's a nice pond slash lake. I don't know what it is. Body of water, bathtub. Mm. Um, <laughs> One of the three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. Although I do, nice. do not get in, I think, because I think no, you will yeah. get not that kind of bathtub. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, discernment, but yes. Yeah. Just tune into nature. Listen to some birds um it's great otherwise uh talking to friends about how you feel or not even about how you feel just doing things together with them especially right now we need to connect facetime and you know mm. i feel so much better because when i am stressed out studying for hours i can feel so tired i'm like oh my god i need to sleep i'm so tired but then if i just talk to somebody if i just have like a really quick facetime suddenly i'm like alive again it's mm. incredible it's really really good and it's a really good way to de-stress mm. um otherwise managing mental health could um you could do things like try and talk to a counselor um if you can monash counseling is still running um virtually through mm. Did I use that term correctly? Yeah. I don't know. They're running, <laughs> they yeah. do uh, Zooms, they use uh, phone calls to do their appointments now. So that's good. It's really cathartic. Mm. And don't be ashamed if you cry. Everybody cries when they talk to counselors. They're used to it. Mm. Yeah, um, I 100% like um, vouch for that. Is that the right word? Yes. Like, yeah, um, I love I love this support going on, yes. Um, I like, yeah, I'm currently doing my, I like have an appointment on Tuesday, I think with my counselor mm -hmm. um, and it's at um, the Monash clinic and it's done on Zoom and it's, uh, I mean, it's obviously not the same, but it's still really good, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it won't be quite as good, but it's still good. You know, the only thing really important missing is like that tissue box that's right there and yeah. she'll hand it to you. But other than that, I recommend. Yeah. But you could like BYOTB, bring your own tissue box. <laughs> you yeah. Know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, like, I am very, like, I love TV shows. I love music. That's, so like, yeah, very much like, like rewatching a show that you've already rewatched a hundred times. That's classic. Um, mm -hmm uh or like even you know like i i've been going to like the music room in Jacker like every few days um mostly because i have a composition folio work that's due in a week and i'm like desperately trying to like compose but also i'll have like breaks and then i'll have like sometimes i'll just go down there to like specifically just like play around and like play like maybe one of like the five i've given myself the very loose task of learning all the songs um 
of Fine Line by Harry Styles from his album. <laughs> um, so far, I've just, I've gone about halfway. I've learned up to like falling. Um, oh. But yes, yeah, so like just like that. Um, so that's really good. Yeah. Um, oh, it's you who's always in the music room. I always hear oh. the piano going off whenever I walk past there. <laughs> Even just like going down the stairs. I know when I'm on the second floor because I just hear it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I feel like, I mean, like on like the booking system, I, there are like a few names that like regularly come up, but I'm definitely one of those, one of them. Um, <laughs> so I guess, are there any good mental health resources that you'd like to recommend for people to check out? Yeah, so it would be um, a few that we already mentioned, like Monash Counseling. Just go search in Google Monash Counseling, click on the first link, and uh, you can book an appointment for a telephone or a Zoom. That's really good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's free, I think. Is it free for... Uh, I, think I think you get six and then you can request to get another four after that. So I think 10 in total yeah. or maybe eight in maybe 10 or 8. Yeah. That's okay, like quite a substantial. Yeah. yeah, okay. So it's the same deal for um, internationals and locals because that's how it is for me. So Manage mm. Counseling, free. Um, Headspace, you recommended. I also recommend. Mm. Very good. Um, some of it is uh, you have to pay for, but they have some free ones which are really good. If you're feeling anxious, you want to calm down, you need to de-stress, really good. Put something on. Uh, they have ones for like de-stressing to go to bed. Really good. I just fell asleep right away. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, other mindfulness things are like um, if you search on YouTube, you can just browse through uh, mindfulness videos until you find one that you really connect with. Um, and then, of course, there is the mental health first aid training. When it's back up, go look for it. Really good free if you're on res mm. and then there's also beyond blue they have a 24 7 hotline if you need somebody to talk to they also have um like a online chat if you don't feel comfortable talking to somebody on the phone uh their website's also a really good uh resource for understanding more about depression and anxiety so if you want to know more you can go on there so search beyond blue um and then finally if you're not really comfortable with you know talking to any of these people or you're feeling some trouble being on res you can reach out to your ras or your college head and let them know how you're feeling and they could you know help you out with that also if you're um if you think somebody else on res is kind of struggling not having a really good time for mental health you can also message to the the RAs or the college head to let them know that you're concerned. Mm. Yeah, um, that's those are all really great. Um, I know um, with the, I, oh, I haven't double checked this, but I think in my podcast, I did a podcast with um, Charlotte who talks about eating disorders and like body image and stuff. And she said, I think at the Monash, like as part of like the Monash counseling, you can get like, I think up to like 40 um, wow. sessions on, or, some, or I might be misquoting her, but um, <laughs> just check out that episode if you haven't as well, because that also touches on a lot of similar things. But um, 
there's also support for like if you um, have an eating disorder or if you think you might be um, if you have like disordered eating habits or anything like that um, yeah there's definitely check that out yeah um, I guess lastly ask this of all my guests um, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who has just moved in on res what would that be please make friends <laughs> so good I will say this as many times as possible I already said this but please just force yourself to meet as many people talk to as many people um, not in person right now but online in your wing chats in your um, like Facebook groups or through the events that are running online or when we're back to normal in person just go talk to as many people as possible make friends it'll be great you only have like one opportunity you know in university to be on res and make the most of it mm, I love that and I completely agree um, it's such a great experience um, and yeah there's lots of lots of possibilities out there um, yes yeah it, it doesn't matter how many just try and talk to as many people as possible even if you don't come out of it with like your your Gemini, Gemini sister wives yeah. it's yes. okay as yeah. long as you uh expose yourself to um meeting as many people as possible you know you'll meet some really interesting people in university especially mm. on res because people have come from all different backgrounds kind of you know opens up your eyes to a lot of perspectives it's great mm. yeah i mean even if you don't come up with like gemini sister wives you might come up with like a taurus i mean uh, tauruses no no that's <laughs> <laughs> i no i just joking um but like you might come up with like um someone who can who will introduce you to someone who you vibe along with kind of um or you might not you know like it's also okay to not um, be the most social right now. Um, that's completely fine as well. Um, like as, yeah, as we talked about, you can't really, uh, you can, there are things you can do to like position yourself to get, uh, to meet new people, but that doesn't mean that you'll always, um, be like getting new friends or anything, um, all the time. So, and you can't force it. So don't, uh, you don't have to like, pressure yourself to do anything but uh to like achieve that one goal but like you can um definitely meet a few interesting characters along the way i feel at least yes yeah um, and feel free i mean i don't know um about you but like you can like feel free to like come talk to me or like message me um and then when social distancing um restrictions are you know lessened um you can feel free to like come talk to me have a chat um yeah yes me too if anybody wants to socialize now online or afterwards and um mm. when we can be in the same room again then i love to mm. love to meet more people and really you know feel like part of the community feel like everybody should really should feel like everybody on res should feel like they're part of a community that's safe and fun and that they love Mm, yeah and hopefully by then i'll be able to like play the all the whole of fine line by harry styles on the piano put a concert on yes maybe 
Um, <laughs> yes, <sounds> maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll see. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so that's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you all for tuning in. And thank you, Elise, for sharing your experiences and talking about this issue. Um, is there anything you want to, like, plug or, like, any, like, events coming up that you're, like, like, online events that you're, like, go to that or anything like that? Well, I'd like to say to my fellow turtles and jacamas that there are a lot of events going on um, that are being worked on by your RAs and me at Hullsock, we are working a few things. So keep an eye on Turtle Talk for new things coming up because uh, it'll be fun and you can mm. connect with real people. Definitely. Also, we are having um, like weekly art prompts, which is an event in Turtle Talk. So look in the events tab for that. It's really fun. You can express yourself in whatever ways and you can share your creations. Mm. it's really fun so also good. Though, yeah uh listen to Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia <laughs> yes and Fine Line by Harry Styles <laughs> <laughs> yeah um not sponsored but good albums um yeah um so yeah that's it um make sure to tune in next fortnight um where we'll be talking about another important issue um I hope you have a really great week okay thanks y'all bye <laughs>